0: Welcome back to Heroes of the Faith, a show where we are inspired by the lives of the saints so that we can become saints ourselves. I'm your host, Isaac Longworth, and I wanted to start today by sharing a story with you about a time when I was evangelizing on a university campus, and I ended up talking with a young Muslim student named Muhammad. And I started to share with him about my faith, about Jesus, and trying to get his opinion about all of Christianity's teachings. And Muhammad was a very bright guy and he came prepared. He had his own Quran with him and and I had my Bible with me and we were reading passages back and forth and talking about the different things we believed and some things we agreed on and some things we disagreed on. Well, at the end of the conversation, which was quite a passionate conversation, even though we were both being very kind with each other, very charitable, both of us weren't backing down and, and we were really having it out with each other, talking about these important things. But at the end of the conversation, Muhammad and I shook hands and he had a big smile on his face and he said, you know, throughout this entire conversation, I felt like we were talking to each other as if we were brothers. And that really struck me and it and it meant a lot to me actually because he was right. Even though we were both very passionate about our faith and our disagreements, we were still able to to treat each other with with genuine respect and genuine love so that we could walk away from each other feeling like we had had a conversation with a brother, not an enemy. Now, the reason that I start with this story is because our saint today lived in a time when Muslims and Christians rarely viewed each other as brothers, but more often than not viewed each other as the enemy. And yet he was able to extend the love of Jesus towards his Muslim brothers and sisters. He was able to extend mercy and forgiveness in the face of hatred. He was able to pray for genuine peace between Christians and Muslims. And even to this day, he is known as a miracle worker and a healer amongst the Muslim community. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about Saint Charbel maklouf who was born in the country of Lebanon in the year 1828, and he was the youngest of five children in his family. His parents baptized him Yusuf, so he wasn't born with the name Charbel. He went through a name change later, which we'll talk about. But Yusuf was raised in the Catholic faith, specifically in the Maronite Catholic faith. You see, the McCloufs were Maronite Catholics, which is one of the Eastern rites of the Catholic Church. Many of the Christians in Lebanon to this day are Maronite Catholics. And you might not have heard of the Maronite Catholic right before or any of the other Eastern rites of the church, and it can get a bit confusing, but basically there is one Catholic church, but it's expressed in different rites. And within these rites, there's different styles, different liturgies, different ways of exercising their faith, but we're all united in one church. The Maronite rite was never split off from the Catholic Church. They just developed a different style in liturgy in Lebanon specifically than what was being practiced in Europe, for instance. So one of the things, for instance, that the Maronites do a little bit differently from someone like me, who is a Latin rite Catholic, is the Maronites in their liturgy and in their prayers pray in the Aramaic language, which is really cool because Aramaic is the language that is closest to what Jesus would have spoken when he was here on earth. So in their liturgy, and the prayers, the Maronites are speaking the same language that Jesus Christ spoke when he was living here on this earth. Now, the Macloofs were a very poor family and they had a lot of struggles to deal with. One of their chief struggles was the fact that they lived in a country in Lebanon that was controlled by the Islamic Ottoman Empire. This was a a huge Muslim empire that didn't always treat Christians within the empire with respect. In fact, sometimes Christians were openly persecuted under the reign of the Ottomans. Christians had to pay extra taxes, they were often discriminated against, and sometimes they were even physically attacked. And when these attacks broke out, there would be very little protection offered by the law and rarely would the Christians see justice served. Yusuf's father, who was a mule driver, was actually forced to work for this Muslim army without being paid for it. It was kind of like on and off slavery. They would call him in to go and serve the army and then he would eventually be allowed to return back home before being called in again at some other point. And on one of these forced conscriptions, Yusuf's dad died when Yusuf was only three years old. He lost his father, leaving his mom, a widow with five children to take care of. Now Yusuf's mother eventually did remarry. She remarried a very holy and good man who actually went on to become ordained as a priest because unlike the Latin church, the Maronites allow their priests to be married. And so this man uh, helped provide for his stepchildren, including Yusuf and raise them up in the faith. So Yusuf grew up with his dad as a priest, raising him in the faith, which is a pretty awesome way to be raised in the church. If you think about it, Yusuf was a very prayerful child. He was actually nicknamed the saint by people in the village when they would see him. As a teenager, Yusuf began to hear God speaking with him during his times of prayer. And he felt that God was calling him to become a monk, to leave his family, to leave the world behind and to live entirely for Jesus, spending his life in prayer and work. And so in his early twenties, Yusuf left home to join the monastery. And when he joined the monastery, he took on a new name, which was a tradition to signify that his old identity was being left behind and he was becoming someone new for God. And that's when he took on the name Charbel. Now for Charbel, life at the monastery was quite different from what it was like on the outside world. For instance, now he had to wear a black robe all the time with this big pointed hood on his head. And this black robe represented that he had died to the world. It was kind of this funeral color showing that the monk had withdrawn from the world, withdrawn from all things worldly. So Charbel spent a few years hidden away in this monastery, learning the life of a monk, really plugging himself into a life of prayer and penance. But eventually he was sent out by his superiors to go and study in order to become a priest, to go for training in in school. But even in school, Charbel worked at maintaining his strict monastic lifestyle, eating simply, uh, working hard and being obedient to his superiors. Well, he was ordained a priest when he was 31 years old, and he eventually returned back to the monastery that he loved so much, immersed himself back into the life there, and he lived there for 16 years. Now, during the early years of his priesthood, Charbel saw an outbreak of violence take place in his home country of Lebanon, specifically between Christians, Muslims, and a religious sect called the Druze. Now, the Druze, was an offshoot of Islam. Uh, It came from Islam, but it had very different beliefs. We actually don't know too much about what the Druze do believe. They're very secretive um, about what they believe. They hold that to themselves, very uh, close community. They don't let outsiders in, um, but basically they take elements from other religions and mix them up into one kind of very confusing spirituality. But whatever they believed, the Druze militants began attacking and raiding Maronite Christian villages in Lebanon. They began killing Christians, burning their monasteries, and destroying their homes. And so the Christians had to flee to a nearby city in order to take shelter. And the reason they fled to this city is because they were promised protection by the Muslim leaders of that region. However, when push came to shove, the Muslim leaders betrayed them. They had taken away the weapons of the Christians as they were coming into the city, and they promised that they would protect them from the Druze, but when the Druze attacked, the Muslims withdrew and allowed the defenseless Christians to be slaughtered, and it was a massive slaughter. Men and children were killed on the spot, and the women, the Christian women, were taken captive. Thousands died. Many more Christian families lost their homes and belongings. They lost everything that they owned in the world. Now, Charbel and the other monks at the monastery were ministering to these refugees that were streaming into the monastery, ministering to them in their bodily needs, giving them food and and shelter, but also ministering to their soul, praying for them and comforting them when they had lost so much. But Charbel also prayed for the Muslims, for the Druze, that had persecuted and attacked the Christians, and he helped the other Christians to offer up sacrifices for their conversion. You see, Charbel saw firsthand how much the world was in need of God's mercy and love. When he saw the violence and the destruction, man turning against his fellow man, he knew that only God could bring peace into a situation like this. And so Charbel wanted to, in an even more intentional way, intercede for peace in his nation, for the conversion of non-believers, and that Christian and Muslim alike could live in peace. And so he desired to spend even more time in silence and prayer with Jesus, and he requested permission from his superiors to leave the monastery and go off to become a hermit. Now a hermit, maybe you haven't heard of this before, or maybe you didn't know that people actually did this, but within the Catholic tradition, especially within the Maronite Christian tradition, there is a tradition that a hermit would go off by himself into the desert or into the mountains into a place where he can be truly alone and spend all his time with God in prayer. He lives a life of intense silence, barely speaking to anyone and takes on rigorous fasting and penance, offering up all of the graces that he receives for the sake of the world that he's praying for. Now, normally only very experienced monks would be granted permission to become a hermit because it took a lot of of focus, a lot of discipline, as you can imagine, to live out this life. And Charbel, even though he was recognized as very holy, He'd only been about 24 years in the monastery at this point, so certainly not considered old and wise enough to become a hermit. But when his superiors were deliberating his request, something incredible happened that would change the course of Charbel's life. You see, Charbel had been assigned a specific project that he was supposed to work on, a project that would take him all night to complete, and so he had asked a brother monk to fill up his lamp ahead of time with oil so that he would have enough oil to stay lit all night in order to complete this project. But even within the monastery, monks like to pull pranks on each other. In this particular month, pranked Charbel by filling up his lamp, not with oil, but with water, which obviously would not be able to light at all, let alone keep the lamp lit all night. But without knowing that his lamp was filled with water, Charbel lit it? And that lamp stayed lit all night while Charbel was working. And when the monk went and told the superiors what he had done, and yet the lamp was still working, the superiors took this as a sign, that this prank by a monk, which was meant as a joke, had actually turned into a miracle. And they saw this as a sign that God wanted Charbel to be a hermit. And they said yes to his request. And so Charbel moved out of the monastery and moved into a lonely house high up on a mountain with three other hermits. And these hermits lived an intense life. Charbel spoke almost no words to his fellow hermits. He spoke only in prayer to God, living a life of intense silence. His diet was composed of vegetables And a little bit of oil. That's all he ate. Basically, he ate the scraps of whatever was left over from the monastery. And he slept only about five hours a night, always sleeping on the ground with only a piece of wood for his pillow. And underneath his black robe, Charbel wore this itchy shirt made out of goat hair that was constantly rubbing against his skin, chafing it, making it irritated so that he would have even more to suffer. Now why was Charbel enduring all these suffering? You might be wondering, did he did he hate himself? Was he was he trying to abuse himself? Like what's going on here? Well, Charbel isn't trapped in some kind of self-loathing or or hatred of his body. But he is trying to suffer more so that he can unite his sufferings to Jesus's sufferings. You see, when Jesus suffered for us on the cross, he won our salvation. And Charbel was trying to suffer just like Jesus who he loved so much so that he too could offer grace as a form of intercession for all the people that he was praying for. He would offer up all of these penances for peace in his country, for his persecuted brothers and sisters who were suffering in their Christian communities. He prayed for the conversion of the Muslims and the Druze who were oppressing his people. And he also was growing closer to God through his sufferings because the penances helped to separate him from all of the goods that were in the world so that he could focus on gaining spiritual goods. And man, oh man, did Charbel have spiritual goods. This man could pray like no other. Before he would celebrate Mass, he would pray for several hours just to get himself ready. And then once the mass was done, he would pray for up to three hours afterwards in thanksgiving for the gift of the mass, for the gift of the body and blood of Jesus being made present in this sacrifice to the father that he was able to participate in. He had a love for the Holy Eucharist, for the mass. Due to his closeness with God through through his constant prayer, his intercession when he prayed for others was extremely powerful. He was well known in the region for the miracles that God worked through him and slowly his fame began to spread. Charbel was a guy, he just wanted to live a quiet life for God. He just wanted to be a hermit on the top of the mountain and talk with God for the rest of his life. But because the miracles were happening so much through his prayer, his superiors actually ordered him, even though he was a hermit, to leave his house to go and work miracles among the people. And he was obedient to them. He was obedient and left and miracles followed wherever he went. People were healed physically when he prayed for them. When he blessed them, when he, when he sprinkled them with holy water, illnesses and injuries would be cured on the spot. There's this one story of him being summoned to go to the, the home of a powerful Muslim leader because his son was on his deathbed suffering from sickness. And Sharbell, a Christian, was invited into this Muslim man's home and he blessed his son with holy water and instantly his son was healed. Perhaps even more amazing than the physical healings was the fact that Charbel was able to heal people of severe mental illnesses. Once this group of friends brought this man who was violently and mentally disturbed. He was so Mentally unwell that he had to be restrained at all times because he was violent and would lash out at people He had no control over what he was doing And they brought him to the to the hermitage and pleaded with Charbel to do something But they couldn't even bring him into the house to see him So Charbel came out to meet them and he quietly asked the man to follow him To come into the chapel and to pray before the tabernacle and the man did he peacefully followed Charbel Charbel sat him down and read to him from the Bible. And as he read from the Gospels, as he read from the stories and the accounts of the life of Jesus in the Bible, the man regained his full mental health and left that place completely healed and went on to have a peaceful and happy life. But Charbel did more than just heal people as his miracles. Once the farmers came to him because these Locusts, this swarm of grasshoppers and locusts had infested their fields and they were eating their livelihood. And Sharbel quickly went down to these farmers fields and blessed their fields with holy water and every field that he blessed immediately, the locusts would leave and they would fly away, never to return. And he saved the crops of the farmers, saving not only their crops, but their livelihood and the lives of their families from starving that year all of these miracles that God worked through the hands of this holy man. But despite all of these miracles, Charbel never fell into pride. He never thought to himself how great he was, how holy he was because of all these miracles. No, Charbel knew that it was all the power of God. And whenever the miracles were done and his superiors said he could go back home, Charbel would gratefully go back to his hermitage and enter back into the silence and the prayer. Well, when Charbel was 70 years old, he had a massive stroke one day while he was saying Mass, and he never fully recovered. In fact, he died eight days later on Christmas Eve day. And when he died, his brother monks came up to bury him in a simple grave close by. But even though he was dead, the miracles surrounding Charbel didn't stop. Because for many days after his burial, people noticed that there was a mysterious light glowing around his grave. Many, many people witnessed it, both Christians and Muslims. Another wild miracle that involved Saint Charbel happened about 50 years later when some priests went on a trip on a pilgrimage to go and see his tomb. And after they had seen the area and looked around a little bit, they did what maybe all of us do on vacations. They decided to take a picture outside of the monastery. And when the picture was developed later on, they saw that they weren't alone in the picture. But there was this mysterious monk with a white beard standing with them. And when they showed this picture to those who knew St. Charbel while he was alive, they immediately recognized, that's Charbel. It was like Charbel from Heavenhead miraculously photobombed their vacation shot. And since there was no living photos of Charvel when he was alive, that picture, that miraculous picture became the basis for all of the portraits that we have of the saint today. And the miracles didn't stop. They continue to this day. In 2004, there was a Muslim couple whose son had tendons in his legs that were too short. And so they had twisted and deformed his legs and he needed cast therapy to stretch out the tendons. Well, this Muslim woman had a dream in which Sharbel appeared to her. Now she didn't know who he was, but this old man with a white beard and a black robe came to her in a dream and told her to follow him up a rocky mountain path to his house. And once inside in this dream, he directed her to place her sick son on his bed. And when she did that, lightning flashed up into the sky and Charbel told her your son is healed so she woke up from her from her dream and the next day she had to go to the doctor's appointment with her son and the doctor told her that the boy's tendons had loosened that he no longer needed cast therapy and he was healed he now walks runs plays sports with no problems whatsoever And later, this Muslim woman saw a picture of St. Charbel, and she recognized the man from her dreams, this mysterious man in a black hood. And she asked her Christian co-workers, who is this man? This is the man I saw in my dream. And they told her, well, that's St. Charbel. And they told her all about his story. And she ended up visiting St. Charbel's monastery. And when she went there, she was amazed to recognize the path to his house as the same one she had walked in her dream in 2019, there was this Druze couple who had become pregnant, but ultrasounds showed that their baby boy had a congenital heart condition. It was going to be a very risky life for him after delivery. And their sister-in-law told them that they should pray to St. Charbel, which didn't make a whole lot of sense because they were Druze. They didn't believe in Christian beliefs. And yet they trusted her and they began to ask for his intercession. Well, when the birth came, The medical staff was standing by for an emergency surgery on the baby, but their sister-in-law who wore a necklace with a picture of St. Charbel told the medical staff, Charbel will do the surgery and cure my nephew. Now, as you can expect, the medical staff ignored her like, okay, crazy lady, we're going to do the surgery and you can just pray or do whatever you want on the side. But when the baby was born, he was born completely fine. And the doctors had no explanation. In fact, after studying this case, one of the doctors asked where the nearest church was, where he could attend mass because he believed that a miracle had taken place. And the couple was overjoyed and they actually baptized their son and named him Charbel, even though they were Druze, even though they didn't believe in baptism, they had this done for their baby because of the miracle they had seen happen through St. Charbel. And I was watching a video testimony of the mother of this baby explaining what had happened. And this quote just grabbed me. She said, we are Druze. So I could never have imagined that this could happen to us. St. Charbel is for everyone. He does not discriminate based on religion. And I just think this is so beautiful because Charbel lived in a time when Druze and Muslim people, persecuted christians persecuted his brothers and sisters in christ and yet in his own lifetime he forgave and he loved and he continues to do this even after his death here on earth from heaven he draws muslims and Druze alike into an experience of the mercy of god into the truth that lives in jesus Today in our world there is still tension there is still mistrust and sometimes open hostility between Christians and Muslims in different parts of the world in many parts of the world Christians are still being persecuted by Muslim leaders and yet charbel teaches us that for the christian the way of life that we live is peace of forgiveness We need to seek out genuine love and friendship with people, even if they persecute us, so that we can lead them to Christ, so that we can show them the fullness of truth that is found in him. Many Muslims, while being very prayerful, while being very religious, we know that they don't have the fullness of truth about God. They don't know who he is totally. And they need to hear about Jesus. But this will only happen, they'll only be able to listen to us if we come to them from a place of genuine love for them, respect for them, treating them as brothers and sisters and not our enemies. And Charbel was an example of this. So let's pray right now that we would become saints like St. Saint Charbel was in order to bring this peace into the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Charbel, you were able to forgive those who had attacked your people and you were able to extend God's healing and miraculous power towards them. You interceded for peace in the midst of violence and terror and war. So help us to imitate you, to seek peace, to seek friendship with our Muslim brothers and sisters, and through love and prayer, gradually introduce them to the full truth of God, which is found only in Jesus Christ. St. Charbel, you understood the value of silence you realize that in order to more clearly hear the voice of God, you had to tune out the noise of the world. So help us to tune out that noise, to turn off the music and the media and the busyness of this world sometimes so that we can be attentive to what God is saying. St. Charbel, you saw healings and miracles break out throughout your life. And you continue to pray for healings from heaven to be given to us while we are here on earth. Help us, too, to step out in faith, to pray with the sick, to see God perform signs and wonders in our world today. We believe that it happened with you, and we believe that it can happen again through us. St. Charbel McClouf, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.